All right. All right. Hello, everyone. And hello, Liz. Uh, I am here to interview Elizabeth Cronkite. Um, I, you know, it's funny, I don't really think of myself as an interviewer. Um, but I'll tell you what I have done in preparation for this. I have read Liz's memoir. It's a memoir of Christ, a student of A Course in Miracles Awakens. I told her jokingly that I thought she put that subtitle there for me because I had once said I didn't know any students of A Course in Miracles had awakened. And I knew that someone told her that. So I figured she's like, look here, Gina. <laughs> She says, no, 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 she didn't think of that, although she did hear that information. But this is her book, A Memoir of Christ, A Student of A Course in Miracles Awakens. So I've read the book. And then after I read the book, I went back through the book and I, I made um, some notes because, you know, if you guys know my mind, you know, it doesn't hold on to a thought. I could read a whole book and then afterwards not be able to tell you a thing that I read, even though I read it. So what I did in order to be able to interview was I went through and I noticed certain pages with certain things that I thought really were of interest. We won't have time to go over all of them, but what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna read like something from Liz's book that I thought was interesting. And then I'm gonna ask Liz to kind of, you know, comment on that. So I'll be reading very, very short passages and then say, you know, tell us more about that, Liz. And, and, then, and we'll just see where this goes. So that's how I'm planning on doing this. Uh, Liz, why don't you pop on and say hi to everybody? Hello, can you hear me? I hear you. I don't see you. Let me remove this, click this remove spotlight button. Okay, say mm -hmm. hi again. Hello. Can there you, you are. See me? There we are. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I want to see you. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So welcome. Does that sound okay, Liz, what I'm planning? That, that, that sounds just fine. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I love having you. Liz and I uh, connected, what, about three months ago now, you think yeah, it was? I think, yeah, probably about that, yeah. And, and spent some time chatting. We'd never done that before. We'd each heard of each other for years, right? Many years. Um, and I interviewed you once several years ago. Yeah. And then we just got together informally and chatted a few months ago. So that was kind of fun. So I feel like yeah. in that way, I know her a little better now than before. So let's jump in. Uh, and actually, the first thing I have, Liz, is on page one. And I actually, <laughs> I want to read something from page one and page 32, and then I'm going to ask you to comment on it, okay? So sure. page, page one, we're going to start in the deep end of the pool. And then we may step back into the shallow end of the pool a little bit, but I want to start in the deep end. So here's what you wrote on page one. I thought the life that I was living as in a spiritually aware person would lead to my awakening. What I did not understand was that my experience as a spiritually aware person was an effect, not a cause. Funny, because in a way I just quit teaching this. So isn't it funny? Yeah, I, just, I, I was listening to that. Yes, yeah, it's the same thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so maybe we'll just stop after I read this and not go to the other page yet. Again, I thought the life that I was living as a spiritually aware person would lead to my awakening. What I did not understand was that my experience as a spiritually aware person was an effect, not a cause. That life did not lead to the awareness, I am Christ. 
Christ was the source of that life's spiritual process. Christ was all that was real in that life. Why don't we just start with that? Because I think probably at least some, if not a lot of spiritual students may feel dismayed or may feel shocked or may feel frustrated that all this spiritual practice I'm doing is not waking me up. So what right. do you mean in this paragraph? What I discovered was um, that I was living, what I thought was my life in the world was an expression. It wasn't, it wasn't happening for a reason to, it wasn't causing something. It wasn't happening for a reason. It was an expression. And what I, of what I call the atonement from the Course in Miracles, using the Course in Miracles language, which is that moment, that, you know, kind of go to, to go back to my ontology from the Course, is um, God being all must consider its own opposite, but being all, it cannot have an opposite. So as soon as it thinks, what's my opposite? It's immediately, it can't have one. So it's like that idea is just simultaneously, it's just impossible. But in that idea is time. So in time or consciousness, it seems like that idea began long ago and will be undone in some indefinite future. And that's what time is. That's what we're living in consciousness. So it's an expression of that moment of undoing. It's kind of in line with what you were just teaching. Um, you didn't label it the atonement, but I would say that what you were describing as consciousness what's unfolding, the specific thing that is unfolding, is that undoing. And everybody's playing their part perfectly. Our mistake is identifying with that character and not understanding that it's only an expression and that it's not something we have to go through to attain something. So it's impersonal, it's completely impersonal. So the dismay you were talking about is usually when people kind of get that, it's that, that I'm not doing this. It's, I'm not doing this, it's not really for a reason. It's not gonna get me somewhere because all I'm feeling is, all I'm experiencing is the expression of something, what feels at that time like something else. And you know how you were trying to answer that question of which is it, do I make a choice or is that consciousness? And you said they're the same thing, you know, it's the same because it, it happens through our experience here, that, that desire we have is that being expressed through us. That choice we feel I'm making is, it's, it's playing out through what we think is us. The error is in identifying with that and feeling um, that we're making a choice in a vacuum apart from the whole, when it's really the whole is making a choice and it is showing up that way in the story, so to speak. And, and that's what, um, so anyway, that is what I discovered as I was rising in consciousness, and for me, this was a slow unfolding. I did not have a one, you know, drop, you know, and, and the ego is still falling away from my mind. That process is still, um, it's still winding down. Um, and I'm still, what you just described, that, that understanding is still sort of developing through my experience of, you know, I, I find myself falling back into the, um, into, you know, I am doing this and then, oh, nope, that's not what's really going on here. It doesn't even feel right to, you know, it doesn't even feel right to label it that way. It's like there's a habitual way of saying things. And certainly to, most, to people I talk to out, who are not on the path, I'm not going to, you know, say, you know, <laughs> you know, there's this choice being made through me. I'm going to say, you know, I, I'm going to make this choice or what have you. 
but I have the understanding and I can talk to people on the path that way about, um, I, I'm, this is simply something passing through me. I, I'm experiencing this passing through. And what I'm, what's passing through is that moment, that moment in the mind of God. It just seems to take time, but it's, it's, it's what, what I'm watching unfold as consciousness is time as, you know, what, what's appearing in front of me is, is that passing by. Yeah, I love what you said. What's passing through me is that moment in the mind of God, right? That's what's passing through. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you did talk about, and I don't know who all's here or who all will watch this and whether they're familiar with course terms or not. So let's take a little break. Can you tell me what the word atonement means? Uh, in A Course in Miracles, it means correction of the perception that you're separate from God. Um, so it's not like the traditional atonement is often fearful word because we associate it with making payment, you know. Um, and, or, you know, or Jesus dying on the cross for you, which is a frightening, you know, image. It's, it's the correction of the perception that you're separate from God. And so that's, you know, that I, I did not see until I, this whole process started for me that that is what time is. That's what consciousness is. That's what this experience is. is it's that moment spreading out over time. And, um, and so that's what, that's, what we're, that's what consciousness is. That's what we're watching unfold. No matter what's what is appearing in front of us, and and to, and frankly, what what appears in the material world is the least significant aspect of consciousness. Because as as you were just demonstrating with your little clay piece, that is, um, you know, that is the that's really the final expression, and and it's in it's always an inadequate expression because it's concrete. And what is being expressed is an idea that is not concrete. It's, you know, so we're, you know, you have to look at the essence of what we're living in. Um, and one of the ways I, I, I've seen it is it's like sometimes I'm looking beneath the surface. And what I'm seeing is love flowing. And then there seems to be a block. And then it overcomes it. And love's flowing. And it seems to be a block and it overcomes it. So what we often feel as blocks in ourselves is just not yet. Because eventually that love will overcome that. And so we feel it as I'm blocked when really it's, it's not yet. It's just not time for love. In, 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 the in this particular expression, for love to, over to overcome whatever seems like that block. So we're living in that, the essence of the atonement, which goes on in our minds. It's not, it's not in the material world. That, again, that's the least significant. It's like, don't look at the material world to judge what's going on in the atonement or really with you even really it's, it's like that is the, the final expression of this and as we know in time we'll often feel a shift and it will take time to show up in our in our lives you know we'll feel the movement you know that we need to make a change in our life but it could be months or even longer before that movement actually shows up out there because it depends on what is needed in the expression of the atonement i mean how the atonement is being expressed so we can often feel that even before we see it in, in the material world. Yeah, that reminds me of Ramana Maharshi talking about, of course, he was prior to air conditioning. He was you know, used to having a fan, right? Mm -hmm. and he talked about how you pull the plug on the fan and yet the blades keep spinning for a while. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yes. So there's a bit of a delay sometimes. Yeah, there's the entire, because it depends on how the, the atonement needs to be expressed. I mean, 
I'm, I'm looking at it now as like, um, I, I look at it now kind of like a garden and, and each mind is, is a bloom in that garden and it's perfect, however, whatever it's expressing. So my whole attitude towards ego has changed. You know, I used to, it used to be kind of a, a bad thing, a, you know, a negative thing, a thing to overcome. And now I understand, no, that's a part of the whole expression. I mean, what would it be to tell, you know, what is the correction for, but the ego? So it, the ego is the, there and then there's the correction of it. That, that's what we're, what, that's what we're, we're watching pass through. Right. And, and so it doesn't matter whether a person attains awareness of truth or not. Whatever they are expressing is perfect. This is their role to play in that story. And, and in a sense, it's not even a person. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, again, it's all one thing expressing itself. It's, we don't really have the individual minds. That's part of the expression is that sense of that individual mind. And when you rise in consciousness, that's actually what breaks down is that sense of I'm independent and having this experience in isolation when it's all just, you know, one experience. Yeah, you said something about in your book, um, something about uh, we rise in consciousness to be wiped out. Did you feel that? <laughs> to be wiped out. Yeah, in yeah. essence, yeah, yeah. That that was the feeling that that I had. Yeah, that that I'm rising and I'm wiped. It's it's um, it almost seems insane to want this. And any, but even that wanting it is just the expression of it. It's 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 just the inevitable expression of of the correction, so to speak. Yeah, it says we rise in consciousness only to reach a point where we will be wiped out. And then it says that is the ultimate undoing. Yeah. So that's the correction. You know, even though the word wiped yeah. out. Wiped out was the extreme, right? Yeah, that was how I was feeling it at the time, right? But the correction right. is instead of being identified with a person or with a separate body-mind, we become identified with what you call Christ. Right. And right. Tell, tell, me what, tell me what Christ is. Christ is the God's extension. Um, and it bridges, Christ bridges consciousness and God. And in consciousness, spirit is Christ's um, um, extension in, in consciousness. So, so spirit within consciousness, which is always split between ego and spirit, spirit bridges ego and Christ, and then Christ bridges consciousness and God. Okay. Um, so Christ is God. The way I describe it is it's, if God, this is, it's, it's inadequate, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment, but it's like if God was the sun, Christ is sunshine. And... Um, that's the reason that's inadequate is because in, in truth, extension actually goes inward, not outward. And, and I can't find a, a, a metaphor or a, a, an analogy for that or anything that I can use in, in consciousness to explain that. But instead of going, it's just another way of saying in God, there is only God. And God is, you know, that, that, that's, that's the wholeness. The onlyness of God is, is the wholeness. Well, in fact, that um, takes me to page 32. <laughs> page 32 says, are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> I said, we're starting at the deep end of the pool. Okay. Well, that's I love the deep end. And I think the reason they wanted me to interview you, because usually I don't do these interviews. I think the reason they wanted me to interview is they wanted us to start in the deep end. 
Yeah. That's why they asked me to do it. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So here we go. Let's talk about God because you said that Christ bridges consciousness and God. So here we go. God is non existence. God is no consciousness. God is no experience. Uh, and then you said, nothing familiar to me in ego was in God. What can you add to that to help people understand what is meant by the word God? I don't know. This is it all. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the whole point. You cannot. There's nothing in consciousness. I, I, I think I went on there to say the closest I could come to, to saying something that would convey what I, I had experienced in direct revelation was um, the, that God is a wholeness beyond anything that we experience in consciousness, because in consciousness, it's always relative. It's, you know, it's, it's almost always like we're, the wholeness we feel is relative to the lack we felt. And in God, it's beyond that. The idea of lack isn't even there. The idea of this world isn't even there. And they, there's that sense of being wiped out, you know, uh, uh, and, and the reason it feels so threatening. And, um, you know, so it, just, it, it really is just to say that, just understand that God is beyond consciousness and anything you can understand in consciousness. And, you know, you cannot conceptualize God and, and come anywhere close to what God is. And, and everything we feel here in a positive sense, the love, the peace, the joy that we can experience in consciousness, even as an extension of God, is just a dim reflection of God's glory. And, and um, I think that it's just, it's just really important to understand that God is beyond consciousness and that, that this, this whole experience will fall away and what will be left is God. And, and that's so where you and I, I, yeah. I was just, that's where you and I are aligned. I think it's also important to understand that. But please go on with what you were going to say. No, I was just gonna, um, it, it's it's just that understanding that everything we're going through here, every struggle and every joy is going to is is going to pass. This is a passing experience, um, and you're going to feel what, what you're going to feel, and and go through what you're going to go through. And again, that's that's just an expression. It, it, and and it's like, it, the, the point is to kind of withdraw your identity, you know, kind of back away from that identification with that. But if you can't, then that's where you're supposed to be. You know, that's the whole thing. Um, I've been feeling um, lately, I'm just, I look at, you know, a lot of the spiritual teachings. Um, there's almost to me like a, sometimes I'll, I'll even say a cruelty to them in the sense that when you're in ego consciousness, um, you can't reach that. You can't, your practice isn't going to get you there. It's going to mitigate the discomfort of the ego experience. You know, so, so it's, um, but, but a lot of these spiritual um, directives just simply are not possible in ego consciousness. And, and you know, for example, um, love everybody as yourself, love unconditionally, um, do everything in happiness and love. Um, you're going to feel like you're a failure because you can't do that. Well, because the people who write those things are having another experience of consciousness. They're, they're having a higher consciousness experience and they're teaching this. And because it seems so simple when you're here to say this, 
you know, to do this, just do this, you know, just love everybody. You know, and it's like, but I know in ego consciousness, I couldn't do it. And there's a sense of failure. And it's like, it, just be where you are in ego consciousness, feel what you're feeling, understand that it is a perfect expression of the atonement. This is what it's supposed to be right now. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through is exactly what it's supposed to be. All, even even your, your longing for truth, your longing for these experiences, that is, that is it, that's the expression of it, the desire of love for itself coming through you. And again, it's going to show up imperfectly in, in the material expression. So don't look at that and don't judge that. Don't judge your th own thoughts and feelings because that's it passing through you. That's, that's, everything here is, you know, everything in consciousness is passing and consciousness itself will pass. Well, and again, based on what you said earlier, no matter what it is, you know, no matter what it is that's passing through right now, it has its part in the atonement or, right. you know, if it, I want to use another word for those who don't, who lose that word, you know, that word slippery for yeah. some, it has its part in the correction of the mistaken identification. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so every, it's like every mind to me is, is the perfect flowering of that correction, even if they seem to be in the error. Right. You know, and in fact, I don't see, I see, I used to think the, of the ego as an error, as a mistake. What it is, is it is, it is a false experience, but it's not a mistake. It's, 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 it's in the sense that, oh, it's like, it's not supposed to be here. It's simply a false experience, which is what consciousness is. And you, there are two experiences of consciousness where, where the falseness is, is happening and, and, and that is your experience, that false identification. And you either become aware of that or not. And then there is the other experience of consciousness where the ego goes dormant. It's never not there, it's part of consciousness, but it can go dormant. And, and even, you know, even if, if it is dormant in you, you're dealing with ego and others, you, you, you know, in consciousness, you, you don't, you can't avoid the, the ego. It's just a part of it. That was something I did not get until I was rising in consciousness, waiting for it to fall away. And, and, and that momentum you're talking about, the ego winding down is what I've been experiencing. It, it's like that's, that's falling away as spirit emerges. Yeah. You talked about, uh, well, let me go ahead and go and read again, because who knows, reading may even give you the context to answer the questions. Uh, you said, this is from page 233. You said, I went from feeling this death as my own to feeling something in me was dying. And that something, something slowly diminished for me. Now, this is, I think you're talking about the ego is dying in you. Right, right. You want to talk a little bit about that experience? What it was feeling, um, I'm not sure if that was in the context of the early days or, you know, where I felt, um, I kept, I kept hearing for the longest time, uh, I, I kept having the sense that I'm dying or there's something, it was something in me that I was dying. It would say I'm dying. And I felt it, I felt it dying. Um, and I mean, I, I was aware of, you know, Buddhist teachings on ego death. So I kind of knew about that. Um, so I knew that's what was going on, but, um, I, be, I, be, I began to, you know, I could see that it was something in me was dying and it wasn't all of me, you know, it wasn't all, you know, me, it was something that, um, I experienced as me. 
And really the way it felt, what ha ended up happening to me was my identification with the person fell away. That's what I come to understand ego as. Um, at, at its heart is that identification with that. Um, and that's what, that's what has fallen away and continues. I mean, I, I say it's fallen away, but I mean, it's falling away, I guess I could still say that. Um, th there was that moment that I called the break where to me, that's really where it happened. And the momentum you're talking about is what has been continuing. And what's so wonderful is I couldn't see it at, at the beginning, but now I see I have been in a perfectly designed process that is very gentle. Even though I, I went through a very hard time, um, that was due to the limitations of this mind, not to the process itself. And I see it was made as gentle as it could be for me and within in the context of the limitations of this mind. I can see now, I can feel now how it was, you know, step by step by step. My problem was, especially in the beginning, I, it was so horrifying that I just kept grabbing on to any, trying to encapsulate what I was going to, trying to characterize it for myself. I was always too, pre, I was always premature because I just, I was trying to get control of it, I guess. And that was, there was a, a compulsiveness to a lot of the things going on in me that I could do nothing about because again, that there's that momentum. And so I just had to wait and, and watch. And, and, uh, but at the same time, part of that was my mind doing what it was used to doing, which was trying to get a hold of what's going on, trying to explain to myself what, what was going on okay. and often being really premature. And, you know, yes. now in hindsight, I can look back, and I can see this, you know, that these, I was taken along a gentle and still am. Now I'm, I'm very much aware I'm living in that gentleness because it's still, I still have stuff going on, still have stuff falling away, still have a shift occurring. It's just the, the real hard stuff is behind me. And it is, it's still, it's still, I have some discomfort, but nothing like I went through, nothing like the intensity of anything I went through. But yes. it is, yeah. What I hear you saying is as this process is going on and the process is perfectly natural, the mind is trying to analyze it and the mind is analyzing it based on, for example, whatever spiritual things it's read or whatever spiritual things it's heard. Uh, but the mind may very well be very incorrect about its conclusions. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, right. Yes. And then and that's actually a part of the process is that the unwinding in a sense you know what i mean so there's there's this unwinds and then that unwinds and then this unwinds you know so it's it's this interconnection of things so even that that part of it um and there was really it was i was in the grip of this thing i described it in the book once as like i was i was in this machinery in which i had been attached to i was now detached but i had to walk out of it like it was this huge machine i had to walk out of and um and and so the the you know the the churning of the machine is still going has you know is still going on in my mind. It was still loud and churning. In fact, it seemed to it seemed to wind up before it wound down. But I think it's simply because I became more aware of it in a way I had not been because I was detached from it. You know, and and I have I have seen the ego in um in a granular way, and continue to see these things. And to continue to have experiences, um, like I talked about in the book, I'd have what I call these face it experiences, where something where I, it's like you have to look at this now, and it would be like right here, and there would be this intensity of 
feeling of whatever it was. And then that was always the indication that now that's going to start winding down. And sometimes that would, boop, it would be gone. And in a lot of cases, it comes back in the sense that I'm not finished looking at some aspect of that. And, uh, and then that will, you know, again, I'll have a face that experience. And I seem to go through episodes of these and there's I'm almost like a break between them. And then it's like, okay, now there's a new phase of let's look at these things. And yeah. Know, and you, yeah. Um, for people who uh, want to get a, an idea of what this feels like, can you talk about a specific face it experience and what it's like, what face it means, what that feels like, what that looks like? The, the first one I had, I was driving on the freeway and I had been, um, the entire time there had been an, uh, there'd been an experience of grief. So, <laughs> and what I felt was, um, it, it seems funny because I already knew that I was grieving. So what ended up happening was I, um, I was on the freeway and I started, it started to build up, build up. There's something coming sense of something coming, something coming. And then all of a sudden, poof, it was in my face, you're grieving. And, and it, it, in a one way, it seemed, well, this is silly. I've, I've known that. And yet there was something about that moment of intensely looking at that, like, the, like it was a moment of acceptance as well. Like there had been a part of me resisting that, even that idea. And, and, and that can happen. Oh, it happens with a, a, a lot of... Um, even even feelings and thoughts and experiences I haven't had in, in a long time. It, I, like I've had to face the psychology of this mind. Would you say that acceptance was um, always a part of the releasing? It is the releasing, I think. I think what I'm seeing is the acceptance. You know what I'm saying? Again, there's no sense of this being personal. Now, at first it was. I mean, I, I mean not at first it, it wasn't. But I mean, that was how I was viewing it and then realizing that's not the correct way that, you know, somehow that wasn't the correct way to view it. I was going to, this experience was passing through me. And so that personal sense of, I have to accept this. It's like, no, the, you're watching acceptance. It, it, you're watching the, the, the mind, you're watching the, what I would call the atonement. You're watching the mind or what you would say was consciousness, this passage through me of that idea, you know, of, uh, and so it, it's like, um, it, to me, I feel like I, I've walked through, I'm, I've walked through a membrane between the two, the ego consciousness and spirit consciousness. And that membrane, in that membrane, I, I, I have been seeing ego up close, intensely, deeply. Um, things that I thought I knew, I'm, I know now on a deeper level or, you know, things that I had read, but maybe didn't fully grasp. I now grasp it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then it, it just, um, it's like there's something in this leave taking. For some reason, this mind is going through that, that process of seeing all of this. And um, in the beginning, it felt like taking responsibility for it. Right. But even that fell away as I realized that was the rem that's a remnant of guilt, thinking I have to take responsibility of this for this. Um, I began with a lot of guilt and a, a lot of um, and, and that whole idea of free will and, and responsibility was at the was there a great deal at the beginning. And, and I've come kind of through that and out of that as I as I understood 
I'm not going through this. You know what I mean? I, there's no me, there's no I separate from the whole going through this. This right. is just passing by. This is that story passing by. Yeah, this is what correction looks like right now. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so let me ask you a couple of questions and these aren't trick questions. <laughs> if they sound like trick questions, I, I would never do that to you. Um, they're just questions so that you can get the chance to clarify. First of all, you heard me joking about the title, you know, about, uh, I had said I never knew of a student of A Course in Miracles who had awakened and then you put it there, but that had nothing right. to do with it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the title is A Student of A Course in Miracle Awakens, or the subtitle. But also in your book, uh, you commented, you used this language. You said, I am enlightened. And then you said, awake is beyond consciousness. Right. Um, so in, in that sentence, you seem to be saying, I'm not awake. Uh, so you want to talk well, a little bit about yeah. awake? Yeah. I'm, I, would, I would actually use the word awakening. You know, I'm not awake, I'm awakening because it, it isn't complete until consciousness is gone. You know, consciousness is the dream, you know. So what I am, I'm in a, I am in an awakening dream and that I am aware of the awakening. That's why I, I would use the word enlightened in that I, I, the light is here and I can see, you know. So I am enlightened um, as to what's going on within consciousness, what this is. Um, I am awakening in that and because of that and that the ultimate you know i mean but at the same time as soon as i say that, that there's that feeling of yeah there's no me here doing that yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no, but it, it's just you know operating in the world that the language we have to use to, to talk with people you know it's like I, I i don't it sounds so phony when a teacher tries to use the most correct language um, when speaking with people so that they don't, you know, they don't misspeak or, or you know, they, they try to get it across. And it's just, it, when we use it, it gets really awkward to talk that way with people. But, um, you know, so I end up saying I am going through this, but I understand that the, uh, what the I is in a way that maybe the listener doesn't. Yeah. So, so another way to word it might be, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that you are awake within consciousness, but... Um, not yet awake beyond consciousness. Yeah, not ultimately awake, right? right. Yeah. It's yeah. an awakened, it's an it's awakened dream, like when you're dreaming at night and you become aware that you're dreaming. Right. You know, yeah. And, you know, so it, I have an awareness in the dream that I am dreaming, but am I fully awake? No, it's not the same as when I am fully awake. You know, even though I have that awareness, but it's kind of muffled by still being in the dream. You know, it's not complete. Do you think and it's so, helpful yeah. to know the difference? Yeah, because I again, it gets back to that whole um, God is beyond consciousness thing, you know, and and how important that is. I think because otherwise, people mistakenly think that um, being at the highest level of consciousness is God, and and so to me that you know that means that there's a, a there's that. There, there's dreaming there still going on without them being aware. Um, there's, yeah. there's, there's a line in the course that has been coming to me through this whole thing. And it, it's, a, it, it's quoting the, the Bible, except ye be as little children. And it says, it means that um, unless you accept your complete dependence on God, you cannot understand the tr 
true relationship of the son to the father. And, and son is part and father is whole. And, and what ends up happening in, to me, if, if you're in consciousness and you think you're God, you're an ego. That's still ego. You you must be aware that um, it it would be like sleeping at night and thinking you're fully awake, you know? Right. Yeah. I was going to say, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, certainly you've risen in consciousness to a certain point, but if you are not aware of the fact that you're not fully awake, if you perceive this as fully awake, then you have a blind spot. Yeah. Where there's a, there's, ego begins yeah. to get in again because the dream there's is still there. You're not admitting there, right. the dream is still yes. there. Exactly. But there's some arrogance there. There's still some separation yeah. from truth, as it were, right? And you know, it's it's in a sense I see this sometimes with even with new students. They don't there's a, there's that first stage when we embark on this path and you basically you, you you become aware that you're an ego and that there's spirit, but you're being told that spirit is you. And they bypass the stage of stepping back and, and, and letting spirit in and letting spirit lead the way because there's this, a, a sense of submission. Is what Because you're an ego, that's what it feels like. And it should feel that way in ego. Right. And it, but if you bypass that, that stage of, of acknowledging, I don't know what spirit is. It feels other. And so therefore it feels like you're calling on something else. Um, and, and, and so what, you know, if you don't go through that stage of doing that, you, 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 you do stay in ego because in ego, you're trying to say, oh, I'm equal with spirit. So I, it doesn't make sense for me to submit. And it isn't really submission. It's getting to know what spirit is. It's, it's acknowledging, I don't know what I really am. Spirit is what I really am. I don't know what I really am. I need to let that part of my mind lead the way. And for now, it feels other. And what happened on my path was it felt like other as I called on it for guidance and what have you. But over time, as that trust developed and I began to understand what it was and, and experientially rather than just intellectually, it just became a natural blurring of the line. So instead of calling on the spirit for guidance, there was a sense of turning my mind in that direction. Right. And, and you know, so the line between, you know, me and spirit, but I, you know, that was still an ego consciousness. And, and I was, I became a spirit centered person, which was the most I could do in, in ego consciousness. All right. And, so I just want to, yeah. yeah, I want to, I want to say something and then have you explain further. So again, we start off, primarily an ego, you know, mm-hmm. 99.9%, you know, spirit always shows up some, right? But we'll right. start off primarily an ego. And then if we allow it to happen through, you call it submission, I call it surrender, but allow it to happen, then what feels like a merging begins to occur until we start to just have this wisdom spontaneously, we yeah. recognize it, it is what we are. Now you call that a spirit-centered person. What's the difference between a spirit-centered person and also you use a term in your book called spirit consciousness? Okay, 
I'm going to back up first to, to yeah, surrender is a better word. You surrender. When I used to hear surrender, I hated it because I, I thought it meant surrendering to spirit. And somebody said, no, you're surrendering ego. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense to me. <laughs> um, it is better, but I was using, I wanted to just say that from ego's perspective, that feels like submission, you know, and again, or, or surrendering, you know, in the, in the opposite way of what I would mean, which was that it's just the way it feels at the time. And that's uncomfortable. And we're like, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to feel that way. And therefore we, the people try to bypass that stage, uh, where ego, I mean, where spirit feels other, but it should feel other when you're in ego consciousness, you know, I mean, you're, you, you have to bridge that, you know? Um, okay. A spirit centered person is somebody still in ego consciousness, but has developed an awareness of spirit, um, to know that that's reality. But it's still, you know, in, in going through all the, the identifying with the person still, no matter how much they may know and intellectually and have had experiences that shows them that this isn't reality, that you're still, you're still in that. And what, that's what happened to me at the break. I went from being a spirit-centered person to spirit consciousness. And that is, that is what, uh, that's what I am still learning or I think discovering is a better word. That's what I'm still discovering is, is exactly how that shows up. One way is, the, the best way I know how it is, it's a holy, it feels like it's a wholly different way of seeing, but it also, I am in a different dimension. Um, and, and the thing is I did, I rose to this slowly. I mean, I was actually in it before the break in the sense that it was, it was really surrounding me. And I was having these new insights about, um, again, about everything being predetermined and every, you know, everything we started the conversation with. That was, it was like this, the, these, this awareness was coming. I could see it was higher awareness. I could feel that. But um, I hadn't quite tipped over until, until the break is when my identification with the person went away. That whole life fell away. And you know, and, and, and ever since then, the ego has been winding down and that my, um, the awareness of myself as spirit, that seeing that new way of seeing this new dimension I'm in has been growing okay. and I've been discovering what it means. So would that be the equivalent then of what the course calls the real world, this way of seeing? Yes. 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 Yeah. So again, just to, because I'm a teacher, I review, this is what teachers do. Pardon my questioning. Yeah. So, <laughs> so again, you're so, pedantic. <laughs> so, so again, we start off primarily ego consciousness. And then as we rise, we still are identified with the person, but now, you know, however we experience it, we're able to maybe recognize ego and disregard it, recognize spirit, listen to it. And, and we're a spirit centered person. And then and I'm going to get back to this term in a moment, but you called it the break. The break is where you broke from identification with the person. And so now instead of being a person primarily listening to spirit, instead of a person primarily listening to ego, you now you know, the, the feeling is, of course, this is always true, but the feeling is now I am spirit. Is this what we're hearing? Right. And yes. And, and, and discovering and feeling that other identification fall away. Like it was a, like it was a clothing, you know, like it was something that I was encased in 
falling away. And as it does, like I said, I've been watching it in great detail. I mean, seeing exactly and seeing what it was, seeing exactly what, what it was, having new experiences. Um, it, the first experience of it was, if you'll remember in my book, and this was, it began a few years before the break, the feeling of being a ghost in the world was how I described it. Um, I didn't even fully know what that meant at the time. I didn't realize I was experiencing myself as spirit. But that was, that's kind of what the, it's, it's being in a new dimension, being in a whole new relationship to the material world. Um, and and still dis, I'm still discovering what the heck that means. And another aspect of that um, has to do with, um, you know, and, uh, one way to put it is the way ego thinks is with judgment and the way that I, and with in, through spirit, I see. Right. <laughs> So it's like there's no thinking involved in that, even though the seeing may lead to thinking. Right. It's it's the thinking isn't producing the way I see, you know. So the judgment, what the course always says, the last thing you have, and it says it can take a while for this to happen, is you have to learn to not judge. Um, and see, this is again, we're back to spiritual teachings, and and something that I'm I've been having been thinking about a lot is. Is that the way that things can be worded like that, that I have to learn to not judge? It sounds like I have to learn to not judge, like me, an individual, has to learn to not judge, when actually that is just simply what is occurring. What is occurring is that is falling away as the seeing emerges from behind all that, the false way of seeing, which is judgment. Yeah. And and I think I remember, please, if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. But I think I remember reading something in the book, like, you know, prior to realizing spirit consciousness, somewhere you read something where it referred to spirit consciousness as a stage, and you didn't understand that. And now, because a stage has a beginning and an end, and now you understand that spirit consciousness is a stage. In other words, it's not the final destination, Right. Why, why is spirit consciousness? We're basically saying the same, what we were saying before about not God. I mean, that isn't, that isn't the end. That is the beginning of the end of consciousness, which I think is what kind of hit me, it, it, not really in my full conscious awareness, right after the, um, the break, was there was the, the hugeness of something occurring. And I think what I, I understood was I was, I was experiencing the, um, and Bernadette Roberts is the one who clarified this for me, was that it, it's the, what she, I, I was entering what she calls the unit of state, which is what she eventually discovered was the beginning of the end of consciousness. So the ego ends isn't, the ego ending isn't the end. It's, it's the beginning of the end of consciousness. Because after, you know, ego falls, eventually consciousness, it's, the whole, you know, must fall. And so all I'm, I'm entering to is, a different state of consciousness that more reflects truth or God, but is that's not that isn't truth itself. That isn't God, right? So all of consciousness, even the highest levels of consciousness, is are still right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Very, I think is very important for people to know. Again, I think this yes. is why they wanted me to interview you. They yeah. wanted us to, to hammer this point. Over and over, it, and over. It, you know, and it is, it is, it is dismaying to learn that when, you know, some, you know, when, if you don't, um, and when did I first see that? I mean, it was, um, I, I don't remember when I fully got that, but it, it, I mean, I think it was a long time even before that when I was, I, you know, it was that, you know, that this was 
you know, all of consciousness was going to have to fall away. I mean, that, that, that wasn't it. That wasn't the end that, you know, it's, this is, it continues, you know, there's something that continues. There's a process that continues. Well, I think I told you when we were having our chat that day, that when I first discovered this, I mean, I don't know how many years it was, two or three years, I kept it like a secret. Right. Um, I didn't tell people because I had this fear, I suppose, uh, I don't know why it was any of my business at the time, but I guess I thought it was. I had this fear that if I told people the truth as I had discovered it, they would quit the spiritual path because of course the ego doesn't want the truth. And most people are still more attached to ego. At some point, I I just started sharing it. I can't tell you why, I can't even tell you when, but at some point I just started sharing it. And what was surprising to me was that there were plenty of, people that had this eagerness in them to hear the truth, mm-hmm. which I love because that, you know, that really points to the fact that what we want above all is the truth. We don't want right. to continue to fool ourselves anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've had people that told me um, that they sensed it. Even, even these are people that sometimes are just barely they're new to the path or what have you. And they've always, they've said, I've always thought there was something missing from those other teachings that seemed to indicate that if I got through this la-di-da consciousness, I'd be there. And they said, I always just sensed something was missing, you know? So they do, people do sense it. They do feel it. And so, you know, but but there's a flip side of it is it does take a lot of the pressure off from the need to make, to perfect consciousness, to reach a perfect consciousness. Some people, they want that, but others will. You know, you know, but others are, are um, you know, thrown off. Be- and as I was, I was thrown off because I had been really seeking, even though in a sense, I already knew that in, in my actual practice and what was actually going on with me was pursuing, pursuing a, a better state of consciousness. But, it, you know, it does take the pressure off when you realize, you know, and just as it takes the pressure off, some people are just made to learn that this is, this is just an expression that this is temporary and, and it's temporary and, and that it, and it's predetermined. They don't, you know, it's like, yeah. no, this is, this is, you know, but other people will find, they find the relief in that. It's like, Oh God, I don't have to attain that. Thank God. I can just be wherever I am in the now and not be worrying about having to perfect my consciousness to get there. Like no matter what you are, you're the perfect flowering of the of what I call the atonement, right. you know, the perfect flowering of that. You're that that's playing that part perfectly. There is no individual mind, soul, spirit that is going through a process. It's one whole picture. Right. You know, it's like it's like a puzzle, and each each piece of the puzzle is absolutely perfect as it is. You know, and it's it's just it's all right here, right now, and and you just you just you know, be the piece of the puzzle that you are and you're perfect, no matter what it is. Even if, even if it's somebody who, who never, you know, it's a kind of what we would consider like the lowest level of ego consciousness is playing their part perfectly. Right. I noticed that Joe put a, I know it's a quote because I, I've read it before. He didn't say who it was from, so I don't remember that, but it says, uh, it, it says, you will know the truth and it will set you free but first it will piss you off. <laughs> Lovely water bottle. By That's the way. true. <laughs> it's the cover. Yes. 
That's very nice. Um, Amazon. So you've talked about the break a few times, and I, you know, I think I mentioned it was the break of identification with the person. But do you want to talk a little bit about the break, the experience you call the break? Yeah. Um, let me think of what was what kind of led up to it. I had um, I had been going through this death feeling. And uh, it had been going on for a few years, really. And, um, and then I reached the state that I call the barrenness, where everything felt very barren and dry and gray. And it was, that, again, it was a part of me and me. It was not my whole life. I, I was happy in my, my material life. It was something in me. It was a, like a dead, barren spot in me. And I just lived with it because I, I didn't, you know, what could I do with it? I just thought, okay, I'm in some process. We'll see what this is. And then um, in 2017, about the spring of 2017, this spaciousness came to my mind, almost like it replaced the barrenness, this beautiful, lovely, wonderful spaciousness. I just loved basking in it. And, um, and then one day soon after that, it was like this light broke into my mind, which I now identify as Christ. And on the heels of that came a book of fiction, which I called a good woman, and it was a love story. And I totally understood it was an allegory for what I was going through. And, and um, it was full of all sorts of symbolism for me. In fact, the main character's name was Allie. And one day I caught on, oh, Allie Gory. Okay, I, was, <laughs> I had all sorts of symbols and communications to myself in it. It wouldn't mean anything to anybody else. You know, it just, and the story's mundane. It's, it, even though it came on this glorious light of love, and I, I felt every chakra in my body open up, you know, and, and I never even, you know, it had, had anything to do with chakras, but I, it was like all this opening up, all of this light, it's in this beautiful, glorious, wonderful light. This story just came to me and just flowed through me, even though it was very mundane. And I knew that nobody reading it would get to have the light I was experiencing. It was a total expression of that. And I knew this was the holy relationship that I had been hoping would return because I had experienced it when I was young. By which I mean, the, I call it the really, it's the vision of the holy relationship, which is the vis, vision of oneness, which I now understand is the vision of Christ. And it's that golden light that is to me is Christ. Um, and um, that happened in August. At the same time, um, a woman named Hannah was having um, her own experiences of the golden in, in that, that August when I was having it she she was a she had been on my blog site she became a client um I really never gave her much thought and um and then we became she told me she had feelings for me romantic feelings and I you know I was married and she felt it was safe to tell me because I was happily married she knew this couldn't threaten my marriage and I thought, well, you know, it's transference. This happens with therapists and life coaches and, and any kind of counselor. You can have this feeling of when you start to feel better about yourself, you transfer and you project it basically onto the therapist and think they're the source or what have you. And I've had it happen before. But I just told her, yeah, it's just transference. She didn't think so, but she took my word for it. Um, and then um, she... She stopped working with me for a while because she was awkward about her feelings for me. And then she came back. At some point, she told me she felt we were meant to be more than mentor and mentee. And um, 
I said, okay, we can be friends. I had, I had another client who'd become a friend. You know, that's fine. You know, I, again, I just wasn't giving her any thought. I said, you know, that's fine. We can become friends. And she thought, hey, friends isn't quite right. Um, but she didn't know. She didn't know what she was feeling. So I have to explain, she's an empath and can often see things um, and see things in the future and what have you. She said, that's not quite right, but she would go with it because she couldn't describe what she was seeing. So um, we became friends and we actually ended up bonding over my book. Um, as I did, explained to her about the book and she read it and we talked about it. And we ended up bonding and we became friends. And that was like in the fall of 2017. And then it went into 2018 and somewhere along the way, I became aware that we had a holy relationship. And um, it was just a continuation of the light. Now I had finished the, for that book, A Good Woman and wrote, the golden kind of tapered off. And I ended up writing another book called um, Towing the Moon. It was another love story. Again, I, I saw allegories in it about what I was going through. Um, and, um, but the whole golden thing had to a large degree tapered off. I knew it wasn't completely gone. I, I was still in a process. I could feel something around me, something big going on. Um, but kind of like all the, the fireworks, the bells and whistles, you know, the, all that stuff had kind of really calmed down and tapered, tapered off. And then slowly this kind of dawning awareness, I think I'm in a holy relationship with Hannah. And so I told her about it. And on the heels of that, um, all of a sudden I had all these feelings for her, these romantic feelings for her. And we, um, and again, I, 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 let me kind of, you know, I, again, I was happy in my personal life. I had been married, I mean, been with my partner for 24 years. I, I loved her. I wanted to be with her. I loved my life. I mean, I just, there was nothing wrong at all in my personal life. I was happily married, which was, by the way, like my highest value is my marriage. My marriage was the most important thing to me in, in my material life. And, um, and then, you know, the, the whole thing, there was this huge building of pressure. Like I felt like I was being lifted up on this huge wave. And, um, it, it came to my partner. I call her Jesse in the book. That's a, a, a pseudonym. Um, I, uh, my wife, because we were married. Um, I told her, I uh, something. I, I told her about about Hannah. And um, and I think I'm trying to remember now the the timeline of this. On her birthday, <laughs> I, something was building. There was this terrible pressure building. And I, had, I didn't know what it was. I was like, how do I talk to her about what's going on with Hannah? Something's going on. And I didn't know what it was I was feeling. And then it occurred to me that what I was feeling was I have, a, I have a, another partner. I didn't just, something big was here. This is another partner. And so I, had to, I, I, I ended up telling her. And after I told her, I thought, okay, the pressure should be off. I should be relieved now. And instead, everything was worse. I knew now that something really huge was going on. We went into a bookstore. Now, I have to tell you, I mean, um, Jesse and I talked. We sat in the car after dinner. We talked. Um, she was threatened. Security was her biggest. Um, security in the relationship was her biggest value. And I had rocked. Uh, we, called, we referred to it as a, my, our marital boat was rocked, but we'd been through a lot. We were very strong. We were going to get through this together. 
And um, so we go into a bookstore to walk around. Now I'm processing all of this. And I'm like, where, why am I not feeling relieved? There's something really huge going on. I mean, just, I'm just terrified at this point. Just, just, it's just awful, awful stuff going on. Um, and then we started talking in terms of, okay, let's have an, you know, a kind of open relationship where I was involved. I had something going on with Hannah where would be, that would be the holy relationship. And the way I would put it, I would be down here on the ground with Jesse, but up in the ether with Hannah, because I was so with her in the ether. And, um, but that kept building. And the, the, my personal life, you know, the material life kept diminishing in importance and the other life would kept growing. <clears throat> and I, anyway, I, I ended up in this terrible struggle. And then one day, in the midst of all of this, I'm sitting out back. I've got my laptop and I'm reading the news uh, on my lap. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting on the lounger and I'm, and suddenly I'm, I'm just kind of in the back of my mind. I'm thinking about everything going on with, with Jesse and with Hannah. And then all of a sudden I just felt boom, hurled upward in consciousness and out towards Australia, which is where Hannah is. And, um, what went through my mind is, and I saw Hannah's face and it was truest wife, truest partner. And I thought, but I have a wife. And that's the moment I consider the break. That life ended and this new life began. Okay. So I spent two agonizing months in conflict, trying to hold on to the life that I had been in as I felt lifted on this huge wave into the new life. And um, that's the moment I think, that's the moment to me where the, the, my personal identification fell away. That's really what that life was. It was really an, it was, I called it my life for a long time, but it was really a, a different experience of existence. That's what fell away, that identification with the person. And, um, and then I, and then it, after two months, you know, it just, it, it, that whole life just had to fall away. And I went through the, what I called the dismantling. It, it took that part of life and um, took that life apart. And I really felt um, that that Liz had died and that Jesse was a widow. Jesse was her widow. I, I had none of the feelings I had had for her before. Um, that was that, those feelings to me belonged to somebody else. That was um, one of the oddest. I, I cannot explain to you how important Jesse was to that Liz and that life, that marriage was to that Liz. And, um, and I have none of that. That was, that life was over. That Liz died. To me, that is when the death happened. Now, after the break came what you called the dark passage and, and you went through oh, a lot no. of this when you were with Hannah. So do you want to talk about the dark passage? Well, it's a, it's a lot of what I was talking about, seeing the ego. It was just, uh, it's funny. I, it's hard for me to recall now, but I know how deep and dark it was. And I knew this would happen too. I knew I said, one day I'm going to be not look back and I'm not going to be able to recall it. Um, but I still wanted to get there. It was awful. I didn't, the, the hardest, I knew I was in the passage. I knew I'd come into the light. What I didn't know was how long it was going to last. And um, that was the most uncomfortable thing. And I was um, dying. I mean, that's the only way I know I can, you know, looking back, it was, um, that was um, that whole experience of existence, that whole thought system. 
um, was falling away. And like I said, it seemed to accelerate at time. When I, when I got to Australia with, with Hannah, I was in grief on multiple levels and full of anger. And, um, and, and it was, it was, it was, it's, it was a darkness that was not a depression. It was a, a fundamental darkness, you know, the fundamental darkness at, at the very depths of, of ego. And, um, and went through, and in the midst of those experiences, of that overall experience of the dying, I also had Christ experiences. Um, and there was often a sense of um, the way it ebb and flow, like it, there'd be this flow of light and then it would ebb and this flow of light and then it would ebb. And I was more in the ebb than, than in the flow. And, and that began really, yeah, the dark passage. And that continued to when I got back to the U.S., I was still in it. Um, and then eventually came the face it experiences, which now in, in hindsight, I recognize as the beginning of the end of that. Right. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Liz, because, and of course, in some level, even though you and I have never talked, we've always known this. I mean, I hear comments come to me, things you said, and I know you hear things I've said. So, you know, we've always known that there was sort of a, uh, a kind of a walking together happening. And then it's interesting because we've had a lot of the same experiences, but some of them in different orders. And, and I want to point this out to people so they don't think things have to happen in a certain order. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I totally understand your experience of ego person, spirit person, spirit consciousness. Of course, I've also had my own insights uh, or, or experiences that are not experiences into beyond consciousness. So I know that. Um, and but I also had this holy relationship. Uh, mine was with someone named Laurent. And, you know, most, many of the people here know the stories. I went through my darkest time in my relationship with Laurent. But what was interesting for me is that was much earlier for me yeah. So and much later for you. And I think that's yeah. just what I want to point out is we both went through the same things. For some reason, I went through all of that darkness. I call the first five years of my spiritual path, the purification period. Yeah. And then since then, everything has been much easier. There's still learning, there's still realizing, there's still seeing, there's still awakening, and there's still this continuation. But the hard part was over early. For you, yeah. it came much later, but you yeah. still went through the same thing. Yeah, it is, it is interesting that, yeah, you, you, that's why you can listen to other people's stories and but don't, don't, don't think you, you know what you're going to go through. <laughs> you know, you can get, even when you're going through it, it is validating to hear other people's stories, but it isn't going to happen in exactly the same the way. And you're, you know, if you're going to get something to validate, you won't, you're going to, people are going to have experiences you don't have, you know, and um, I had experienced a holy relationship when I first became a student of the Course in Miracles. I had, I had that, uh, in a sense, uh, what I call the early golden. And, um, but all of that really kind of fit, fit, went away and, and um, fell away. And then I went on and, and lived um, a spirit, eventually a spirit-centered life. I mean, but it started with that, you know, it started with that, what I call the honeymoon phase, like a, a lot of students do when they yeah. become students of whatever their path is. There's the kind of a honeymoon phase. And then, you know, the shit hits the fan when you really run into the <laughs> ego. And so, yeah, I did, I went through all of that. And then I, I always sensed that there was something I was going to have to go through. And I even sensed the timing of it, 
which would be in my, I thought, a mid to late 50s. Mm. Um, and um, I knew something was up ahead. And, and uh, you know, I, I always knew that. And I, I, when I was younger and I would read about ego death and I hated Buddhism. I didn't want to go to Buddhism because they talked about this horrible ego death that I actually just understood reading about. I mean, I, I, I understood and I think I recognized it. I recognized I was going to go through something like that. And, um, and so I kind of wanted to avoid it, but it didn't matter. You know, my path took me there anyway, you know, yeah. it's like, this is what the, you know, I was going to go through. Um, I do want to, I do want to make it clear to people. I didn't, you know, obviously I came through it. It does pass. Um, and, um, it, in the, in the process of going through it, it was, you know, basically seeing that there was nothing to fear in the darkness. So even now, if, if when anything you know, faintly in that direction comes up. It's like, oh, you're okay. You know, there's nothing to fear and fear. You know, there's nothing yeah. to fear about fear. There's nothing to fear about the darkness. That's what you learn. I mean, that's what you that learn. Is, that right? is exactly what you learn. But you can't, you know, as many, I'm, I'm sure I read that, you know, I read that, but right. until you do go through it yourself and you face it. And that's really what it is. It's actually facing these ideas that on some level, are, um, and I've, yeah, I've had an insight the other day about beliefs. Um, they're not personal. You know, I, I would have thought that, oh yeah, I had this personal belief. And one of the things I've, I've had the experience, part of when I went through the darkness, there was a part of it where I felt like I was feeling things that didn't, that weren't, weren't for me alone. That I was feeling a fear that was universal, that wasn't mine alone. Um, I was hearing, I even heard what I consider like a cosmic screaming going on in my mind that I felt was not, it, it wasn't coming from out by that. I mean, it wasn't coming out of Liz's psychology, you know, in ego identification, the darkness we go through psychological, it has to do with our story, our past. I mean, it, it is the guilt, it is the fear, but it takes that form of our personal story. I was suddenly, I was going through the generic, you know, I was going through the actual thing rather than the psychological forms of it and seeing it in it in, in it's like I said in, in a granular way and um and, and in, in the process learning oh okay I can get through this this passes um you know I hit bottom when I was faced a fear of non-existence and thought I would I had I saw that I had a choice I could go insane because I wasn't going to kill myself and, and nothing was going to kill me. So I could, I could go insane or I could just go on and not go insane. And, and, you know, again, it seems like a personal choice, but in that moment, I just saw that I wasn't going to go that direction. But the only, the only remedy ego had at that point was for me to go insane because it couldn't kill me. Right. You know, it's so funny again, you know, so many words that pass through your lips have passed through mine. Uh, you know, so again, it, it, it's really, I think probably your particular path, the specifics of it are more like mine than any other path I've run across. So yeah. it, it's really quite interesting. Yeah. Even though there's still some differences. Uh, it's the just differences and timing is different, but yeah, the things, the things that we've gone through. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. just more similar. And in fact, even what you said a moment ago about, you can't really remember the darkness. I can't either. Yeah. You know? In fact, what I remember most is having told this story before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I can't yeah. remember the actual experience. Uh, yeah. and you also said something, I think, somewhere in your book, and I remember Bernadette Roberts saying the same thing, that when you started writing your memoir, you knew you had to write it while you could still remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, that passed for me. And it, historically, when I wrote my books, it was always um, when I was, um, I, I was consolidating my learning on it and it was passing for me. So I would write the book and really kind of be done with that, so to speak, and then move on to whatever else. And, and this was unusual in that I was still going through it when I wrote it. Now, the, the first part of the book, which was my previous life, what I call Liz of your, <laughs> my Liz of your life, um, it, it was, um, that part was actually fairly easy to write because I was done with that. The second part, I was going through it as I wrote it. I was still pretty dark by the time I finished the book. To me, the most significant part of it is in the afterward, um, where I talk about an experience. I didn't call it this in the book, but I, had, I came to refer to it as the cosmic chuckle. It was an experience of this laughter. I was thinking about all the darkness I'd been through. And what came up was this bubble of... Oh, it was more than joy. It's more pure than any joy I'd ever felt. It was this, this pure laughter, this chuckle of, oh, you, oh, you're so silly. That's how it came to me. Oh, you're just so silly. And I just, just washed it all away. And, and that from then, I started to have experience of pure, um, and that's where I ended the book with that passage from my, because um, I knew that heralded something was changing towards the light, finally. So it was pretty dark when I was fin still finishing the book. I I'd come through a great deal of it, but it was still hovering around. But that that signaled the beginning of of a shift in in having experiences of pure innocence, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. Pure feelings of joy, um, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. That that um, that they they come to beyond consciousness. There's just nothing that pure in consciousness, you know. And it, and it and it just what the course would consider pure forgiveness, just wiping it all out in that moment, just saying, "Oh, this is so silly," and feeling it. I mean, I'm not just saying I heard a voice say this. I mean, I'm just feeling the utter silliness and nothingness of it. And and those moments would come, and I eventually, I called it the cosmic chuckle, and and eventually, um, I, I I to me that's Christ that I was experiencing, and I came to. I came to the Joker now has become in like in, in a card deck, the Joker has become a symbol of Christ for me. Mm. And why is that? Because of this, 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 well, yeah, the almost this image, the, yeah, the laughter and getting almost this image of a tumbling Harlequin. Oh, <laughs> okay. You know, and kind of in the background, just laugh, you know, just joyfully laughing and, and no, there's no cruelty, no harshness in it, no mocking, you know, not nothing like that. Just, just, feeling just the, just the total relief of of guilt of fear and guilt and all of that just the pure pure innocence um and feeling feeling that as 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 my reality all right one thing i want to do because we're almost out of time is i just want to see if there's somebody here that has a burning question for you because if they do i want to give them that opportunity to ask their question while you're still here with us so um does anybody have a question for Liz? If so, please put up your 
uh, electronic cam would be best because my screen is too big. I mean, you know, you guys are spread over two screens. And Sina, let us know if you see anyone I don't see. I don't think I'm seeing anyone with the question yet. All right, looks like they're all just listening. So I'll just we'll just go on back then to what I have here. Let me look at my notes because I knew we wouldn't touch a second of this and we didn't, I mean, you know, like a small portion of this, but certainly not all of it. Um, but I think we taught on, we, I have one thing, yeah, this is a, for people who, who would like to hear this. You know, one book that you have published prior to your memoirs, which I think is pretty well known is The Four Habits of Inner Peace. Do you want to talk briefly about what those four habits are? I think some people would like to know about those. Yeah, the, the four habits, um, what happened was I'd reached a point of peace with, I was, you know, as Liz of yore, I was the spirit-centered person. I'd reached a point of peace that I knew wasn't going to leave me. And people, students and, you know, clients would ask me, what, you know, what do you, what do you do to stay at peace? And I had never thought about it. So I started thinking about it and I realized I had these four things that I was, you know, meaning to, they'd become habits in other words. Um, and they came out of my, my, my practice as a student of the course um, that I eventually, I just kind of incorporated, I guess. The first one was communing daily with God. Um, and I had found, and what that means is reaching a point in my meditation every day where I put everything aside, all questions, all seeking, everything, and just open myself to God. Um, and I, I had found that that was, that more than anything shifted me. And that came about when I realized that I had absolutely no idea what I needed. I didn't know what had to happen for me. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'm just going to let go of any preconceived ideas, any questions, any, any agenda and just open myself to God. And whenever I did that, I would have tremendous shift of some kind. Daily shifts, I mean, like, you know, shifts towards peace, answers would come to me, what have you. There was a sense of, like, I opened the door with that meditation and whenever I, whatever I needed would come in. Um, the second one was uh, my relationship with uh, the Holy Spirit, which I just call say spirit now, um, which I had developed over time and and that was that sense of having a teacher a guide a therapist whatever you want it with me that i had developed so that was there that was another habit um then there was um turning inward to truth throughout the day and this kind of came out of the workbook of doing a course of miracles because it had you do you know remember your lessons several times a day I didn't, I didn't, again, I didn't, that this was beyond the lessons or anything. It was just taking a moment to turn inward to spirit several times a day. Um, and it didn't have to be for long. And it could be when I was talking with somebody else or what have you. It was just in, in my mind, I just kind of turned inward. And that kind of kept me connected so that when I looked back over my day, it would be like I I'd been on a river of peace no matter what else, whatever else happened. And the third one was extending love to remember that I am love which is, was meant that when I was, um, you know, when, when, when loving things are there, it reminds you of love already. So when, when something would upset me was, again, I would turn my mind to love and remember that's what's really here, not what, whatever is appearing or my stories about whatever is appearing. So I found I was just doing those four things. And, and then I started incorporating that in, after people were asking me about it, I started incorporating my other writing and eventually wrote the book. It's, it's a little, it's a thin little book. 
some people say it's a course in miracles light and and it uses um non-religious language i use truth instead of god I, a teacher i think i see something like teacher truth for spirit you know so a lot of people are drawn to it for that reason yeah it's a good little book it's a good little book that's why i wanted to mention i think for some people that's still the perfect little book right so i yeah, wanted to make right. sure we talk about it um Let's see, what else do I want? Oh, I know what else I want to talk about. I love it at the end of your book on page 368. Let me get you started and then you can finish it for me. You'll know where I'm headed. Um, I love it at the end of the book where you say, uh, clients, readers, and friends often want to know how my experience is different. If I say I no longer live in the world, they may say, then why are you still here? <laughs> of course, I've just I've just told them I'm not. <laughs> but they're caught up in the appearance with which I no longer identify. So I have thought of a way to put others in my shoes. And then you give this wonderful story about imagine yourself back in your 10-year-old body. Do you want to talk right. about that? I think that's a perfect illustration. Let's see if I can remember it. Yeah, it, it is. It's like, yeah, thinking, think about going back into your 10 year old body and how you wouldn't really be there, but you would appear to everybody else to still be, you know, everybody's going to see a 10 year old. They're going to respond to you as a 10 year old. They're, you know, the other 10 year olds are going to identify with you. The adults are going to treat you like a 10 year old, but you're going to know that's not what, that's not you. That's not what you are. And, and, but then eventually you're going to catch on that you still have to communicate with others in a way that is like you're a 10 year old because other, you know, you, you, other 10 year olds are going to see that you're wiser or what have you, or even adults will say, say what a wise young child, but then nobody's going to really understand that you are different, that you are no longer that 10 year old. And that that's very much what it's like is I know people look at me and they see Liz and they see the Liz they've known, or if they just meet me, they see this person and have all sorts of ideas based on their own past and whoever I resemble to them or whatever, you know, I know all the projections that are going to go on, but I cannot explain to people that I'm not here. This is what I mean by I'm in a different dimension. And I'm, it, it's been, it's been, I've been, I'm still discovering it, but I'm also still acclimating to it. So to some degree I have acclimated to it and, 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 um, some of that now I kind of parts of it I take for granted that before it was still so new and startling and shocking but there's still that I'm a lot of that that I'm, I'm discovering and and watching as the material world fades in significance um you know for me yeah and I thought that was an excellent example that if your adult mind went into a 10-year-old body and everybody saw a 10-year-old and if they you would, tell them, if you're a 10 year old telling them, look, I'm not a 10 year old, I'm an adult, they're going to think you're nuts and throw you in. That's right. <laughs> and the same thing, if you think about people when, when, when people shift consciousness, if they share, I mean, you can share with people on like paths, but if you went out and shared in general what I'm experiencing, people are going to think I'm nuts. And when yeah. I was going through what I was going through and telling people what I was going through, I mean, they would have thought I was nuts. Absolutely. And, you know, Especially, yeah. you know, allowing yourself to go through what you called the dark passage. I mean, you know, no sane person would do that, right? But if it, but what's happening is, as you mentioned, it was it, that that also was a break. You were breaking away from being the person, breaking away from all those prior beliefs, right? You know? And that that sense that it was that I had any choice in it, or you know that right. that was it. You know, I had to just let go because 
I could have held on to that and made it, but it would have made it worse. And I understood that, yeah. you know, just as I, I understood what was going on and understood, you know, my extreme, why I was so extremely uncomfortable, understood that I had been on a path. And at one point I had wanted it, although suddenly there was a feeling, wait a minute, <laughs> what I signed up for when at the same time, I knew it was exactly what I signed up for. And I had always known it was, you know, I always knew I was going to have to go through something like this. Or that it was likely, not that I necessarily would, but that, this, that if I was going to go have a shift in consciousness, it was going to be, there's going to be some rocky, very, very few people have like a Jan Fraser experience where they wake up the next day and they're there and, and they only have to acclimate for 18 months. You know, I mean, it is for most people, it is a, a long process, um, you know, and it began with a sense of dying and it's just, it's, it's been a long, and again, there's the gentleness that I was talking about before. As right. much as I think it, it would be very nice to just go there and think that was gentle, obviously this mind wouldn't have been able to take it. Otherwise, it wouldn't, right. have, it wouldn't have happened that way. Right. The process is more gentle than sudden, at least for some of us. Yes. And, you know, yes. Bernadette Roberts, even though Bernadette Roberts awoke to the unitive state or spirit consciousness fairly early in her life, she spent the rest of her life, right, many, many years getting to the point where she had the second awakening uh, to beyond consciousness. So even that was a process for her that took most of, right. a, uh, most of a lifetime. Right. Yeah. And that's what I, I can, that's why I consider me going into what she went through, the, you know, what she called the unitive state when she yeah. was in that, she said she was in that for 20 years. She thought that was it. Right. She was one of those people that thought that was it, that this is as far as she can go because of all the literature she'd read from other contemplatives. And then lo and behold, she had this other experience of, of God beyond consciousness. And uh, that just kind of threw it through, opened a whole new thing for her that she, she couldn't find any literature on or very little. Right. Yeah. So we have uh, three minutes left. So um, is there any kind of a message that you want to leave at the end of this? Um, accept the experience you're having now. All of it. and. Um, and don't judge where you are, uh, you know, like you're, you're, you're on the path and you're failing or you can't, you can't fail. You can't, you cannot help, but, but I should say that the material expression occurring, which by which I mean, not just the physical, but the, your thoughts and feelings are an expression and they're perfect wherever you are right now. And I know that's very, but and, and frankly, if you're, if you're judging it, that's part of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of hard. <laughs> Any, any directive I give to people is, is like, I, I, you know, it's also, I understand that if you, if you can't do that, then that's perfect too. That's a part of it. That's where you're supposed to be. But it's, it's, I'm mostly, I just want to get people to be more gentle with themselves. Right. And, and, and then by extension, that ends up being with others, not judging and understanding everything is unfolding perfectly. There, nothing is wrong. That is so hard to get when you're an ego and you're feeling guilty. But understand, absolutely nothing's wrong. Not even your feelings of guilt, not even, you know, your nastiness, your darkness, your viciousness or none of that. None of that is wrong. That is all a part of the expression. Um, and, you know, find ways to step back from that and not take that personally and let that expression be because you're actually apart from it. Yeah, and that's where the meditation and all those kinds of practices come in, the, the, the watching, the observing, 
Yes. Learn, you learn yeah. to get away from that expression, not identify with it and allow it and, and not judge it. Yeah. And, and Jesus in the course refers to being the happy learner. And I think that's really kind of referring to the same thing, not being as in it, you know, kind of lean back and watch it. And, you know, one of my first influences was Peace Pilgrim. And when she talked about her process of, you know, the entire process to the ego death point, she said that uh, that process can be easy or that process can be difficult. And then she said, I think mine was about medium. And I think probably what's happening is, is the message that you're attempting to share is it doesn't have to be really, really hard. You know, yeah. uh, it can be, uh, but it doesn't have to be. And so anything that you can do to ease up and allow it to happen without making, without making it really hard on yourself, yeah. do it right. Yeah. Don't add to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you nice very much for having me. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell them your website or something really quickly or about your yeah, newsletter? It's, it's acimmentor.com, A-C-I-M-M-E-N-T-O-R.com. And um, you can go there and um, really learn about the mentoring that I do, the life coaching, the, my, um, um, our, you can learn to sign on to my newsletter, um, find out about my books, um, every, you know, everything there is there. And, uh, you know, yeah, I do offer I, the one-on-one -on -one with people. That's what I do. That's, oh, that's I make true. Money. She's a mentor and I'm not. That's important for people to know. Yeah, there is <laughs> somebody. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I am somebody out here you can talk to, you know, one-on-one. -on -one, yeah. And I like, I like, I really like working one-on-one -on -one with people. And because we can get down, you know, deeper to the, what's going on with them. Yeah, that's always been a difference between Liz and I. She's always been the mentor. I've always been the teacher. I don't really yeah. feel guided to mentor and she doesn't really feel guided yeah. to teach. No. Like I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I wanted to say also that I get your newsletter. I've gotten it for years, so many years. I can't remember when I started. And every time it comes out, I enjoy reading it. And I think that's important for people to know because, um, of course, you know, I've kind of grown with you. So your newsletters have, have also like they're right. Reflected. Well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, to this day, like the one that came out this weekend, you know, it's not, it's not something I look at and go, eh, you know, and delete. I'm always interested to read them. Uh, so I just want to share that with people so that they know that I think these newsletters are, are really worthwhile. And, and my former ones are in four different uh, RM books. So people can, find all my past articles that way. And then my new one, you can, I, there's a way uh, you can go to my website and you'll find out a way to read what you haven't read so far. My new one's called the, um, the Christ in you. My other one was the ACI mentor article. So, but all that's at my website. So you can just go there and learn all that. All right. So acimmentor.com. And thank you so much, Liz, for your time. I deeply appreciate thank it. You. We tried this before it wasn't the right timing. I'm glad the right timing finally happened. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. I'm going to uh, stop, release the mic and stop the recording because I think I was the recorder. Thank you.